calls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian. And we have a very special guest for you today, Reed Coverdale, who has been championing the uh, Unity Coalition, where we try to get all the various factions in the Libertarian Party to start working together towards a broader goal. Reed, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, my name is Reed Coverdale. I've been a small L libertarian for probably the past six years or so. I became a capital L libertarian last year. Um, I used to be a Republican, was brought up conservative. Um, my, uh, my conscience first started getting a hold of me in 2012 and when I was in high school when Ron Paul was running his second campaign. And um, after, uh, after his campaign is really when I started listening to him more in 2014, I started going back and watching the debates over again and realizing that he was really right about what he was saying. Um, I was excited for Rand Paul's campaign in 2016, didn't really go anywhere. And then I um, got behind Gary Johnston's campaign, ended up voting for him, but nothing happened. Uh, after that, I kind of dropped out of politics because I was figuring we were waiting eight years till another Republican libertarian leaning guy came along. Uh, then I actually ended up working on Tulsi Gabbard's campaign for about six months. And then she dropped out. And after that, I started a YouTube channel uh, called The Naturalist Capitalist. And this was around the time when the CARES Act was getting pushed through and all these corporate bailouts were being forced on us while the lockdowns were coming through and no one was talking about it. No one was, <laughs> no one was ringing the alarm bell that we were redoing all the mistakes that we had done in 2008. And that it was just a giant wealth transfer upward. And of course the free market was being blamed while the government was locking people in their houses and pushing all this money upward. So started my YouTube channel and I went on Twitter and I've been uh, gaining followers since then, pushing the libertarian movement. Uh, so obviously I was a supporter of Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen. And on my show this year, most of what I did was interviewing uh, candidates who were running for Congress in the Libertarian Party. I had about a dozen of them on. Uh, and then since the election ended, my goal has been, as you said, to try to unite libertarians because we're not going to bring any to our movement if we're fighting each other. So the goal is to see the big picture. Everyone who is advancing liberty should be working together. Um, and that we've, I, I'm part of uh, something called the Unity Coalition that we've been forming. And it's almost an anti-caucus. It's the, uh, you know, it's the idea of just as long as you are a libertarian, you should be working with other libertarians, regardless of what caucus they're in or whether they're a paleo libertarian or a right libertarian, left libertarian, whatever. Um, there's authoritarianism being jammed down our throats right now like crazy. And we should be able to unite in a common goal against the state. So I'd say that's a, that's a pretty good summary of 
who I am and what I've been doing the last several years and more recently. Yeah, that's pretty great. The um, And we want to definitely get to the Unity Coalition uh, and the different factions here in a little bit, but going back to the history, um, I don't know, Kevin, that we've had somebody on our show that has worked for both Ron Paul and Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I think you might be the only one yeah. ever in the history of ever. So, what I find is a lot of Republicans or Republic right-leaning libertarians even, their favorite Democrat is Tulsi and a lot of libertarian leaning Democrats, their favorite Republican, you know, was Ron Paul. Um, talk a little bit about how you kind of got to where you ended up supporting both of them at different times in that path to liberty. Yeah, so I do have to clarify, um, I didn't work on Ron Paul's campaign. I just, uh, I was a supporter of his. Um, uh, Tulsi's campaign was the first one I actually got involved with um but uh the the big issues that really matter especially that the president has control over are pretty identical when it comes to or i shouldn't say identical um but very close when it comes to tulsi gabbard and ron paul so uh when it comes to you know ending the wars uh decentralizing executive power uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but Tulsi talked a lot about how the president has too much power, mostly in relation to foreign policy. But she said everywhere, you know, that we've basically got a, an oligarchy turning into a monarchy. And the way that we legislate now is ridiculous. It's just with a pen, you know, and it should be uh, going through Congress Um and then when it came to the issues, uh, I think she's also kind of portrayed unfairly as though the only overlap was foreign policy. It went way beyond that, you know, it went to the war on drugs, criminal justice reform, the surveillance state, as I said already, executive power. Uh, she also broke from the Democrats when it came to some issues like uh, school choice and charter schools, and she was friendlier towards state rights, things like that. She wasn't as vehemently horrible on gun control as the rest of them. Um, so that was a pragmatic decision I had to make. And it, it was tough. Like there were times when I was on that campaign and, um, you know, we'd be at a town hall or something and she'd be talking and she'd be answering questions about the minimum wage or health care or college. And I, I'd just be cringing, you know, <laughs> it was tough, <laughs> but uh it was all right. It was a pill I could swallow, uh, especially given the competition last year. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, it was Trump or the lineup of Democrats that we had. And she was so obviously the best one. But I actually have hopes for her because uh, she's just been so demonized and so pushed out by not just the Democratic establishment, but also the voters, like nobody over there likes her, none of the progressives, none of the hard left, none of the establishment, like nobody over there likes her. So uh, I don't know what she's going to do in the future, but I think she could be uh, pushed more our way um, because she's a liberty-minded individual. Uh, she just has some bad ideas. So I think if someone could show her the right ideas, she could come more our way. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I supported both of them. Uh, it was a pragmatic stance, uh, realizing what they would actually have control over when they were president. Because uh, I think a lot of people, when they're voting for someone, they're picturing them as a king. You know, like, oh, if, uh, like a lot of Bernie supporters thought this way. Like, if we can get Bernie in there, 
you know, we'll get all these things. <laughs> and it's, it's like, well, you can't just get Medicare for all if you get Bernie in there. You can't just get student debt wiped out necessarily. You know, like there's there's uh, blockades in your way that you have to work through. And a lot of people just don't think that way when they're voting for president. But that was why I was able to do that. Sure. And, uh, and I think it's interesting that you went from Gary Johnson to supporting a Democrat in the primary and then back to a libertarian presidential candidate. Talk a little bit about just the motivation for getting behind Tulsi uh, instead of working on a libertarian campaign and then what it was like transitioning back to a Joe Jorgensen supporter. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because um, to be honest, after Rand Paul's campaign in 2016, um, I, I didn't actually know who Gary Johnson was because I wasn't way into the 2012 election outside of Ron Paul. Um, but uh, after Rand Paul dropped out, I found out about Gary Johnson and I was like, oh, 12% in the polls. Okay, here we go. You know, this could actually be a thing. I was getting excited telling people like, check these guys out. You know, there's potential here. And then he got on TV a lot and he <clears throat> started talking a lot and his popularity started going down, you know, the Aleppo moment happened and then he couldn't name a foreign leader anywhere. And then, you know, he had these strange <clears throat> outbursts when he was in uh, interviews and he pretended to have a heart attack on stage and he did the thing with his tongue out. And I was just like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And then um, I hadn't been around for the convention in 2016, but I, during his general election run, I actually went back and watched videos and I saw the videos about, you know, seat belts and driver's licenses or whatever. And, you know, that they were making these issues such a big deal and so public and saw the guy stripping on stage and everything. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I, so I, I voted for Gary Johnson, but honestly, after I voted for him and um, after we only got, you know, 3% or whatever it was, I, I was kind of done with the Libertarian Party. I was like, this is a joke. So after 2016, I was legitimately thinking we are not going to have another candidate until 2024 if Justin Amash or Rand Paul runs again or, you know, Thomas Massey or somebody like that. That was honestly my frame of mind. So I kind of was zoned out of uh, presidential politics because I never figured there would be a Democrat I could support. And then Tulsi lined up enough for me to support her. But then when I saw how horribly the Democratic Party treated her, like how much they rigged it and how much of a joke it was to think that we could ever get someone like her as the nominee of the Democratic Party, it also made me realize how ridiculous of an idea it is that we're ever going to get someone like that in charge of the Republican Party, because, you know, what they, what they did to Ron Paul or then how Rand Paul's campaign went. And so it kind of red pilled me on the duopoly working on her campaign that there is no way we are ever going to get someone who represents any or maybe not any, but enough of a libertarian mindset into the White House is just not going to happen. So after she dropped out, and especially after she endorsed Biden, that really hurt. That was a, a strong message that, you know, this is the Democratic Party. <laughs> this is the way things go here. 
I was like, well, you know, I am a libertarian. I might as well invest in the libertarian party because I just put six months into this campaign for Tulsi, you know, did a bunch of sign waving, door knocking, and it did nothing. Like, I mean, it was, we got, I don't even know what the total was for the year, but it was very, very low. Even when she was uh, the third candidate that was still in the race and other people had dropped out, they were getting more votes than her after they had already dropped out and she was still in the race. So all this time and effort and work got absolutely nowhere in a party that is so corrupt. And I really don't look at the GOP as much different than that. So it got me to the point that I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just done with the Democrats and the Republicans. Neither party represents me at all. I agree with the Libertarian Party on 95% of the issues where I, I, you know, on a good day, I agree with the Democrats on maybe 50% and then the Republicans, maybe, I don't know, 60%. And that's if they're actually representing the values that they're supposed to represent, you know, most don't even do that. So I, I just kind of turned my back on the duopoly and said, nope, I'm done. Uh, It's, it's a libertarian party or bust. And this is honestly my last ditch uh, attempt. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm into the libertarian party now and I'm trying to uh, turn it into something and bolster it and get it somewhere. And if this doesn't go anywhere, then I'll just become an anarchist because <laughs> I'll just be out of hope. Right. Well, that's the joke, right? What, what do you call a, an anarchist, a libertarian six months from now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, when along the line did you say you started the podcast uh i started my show let's see i had a channel already that i'd actually posted i made a video comparing rand paul to tulsi gabbard uh when i was working on our campaign because i got sick of explaining to people why i was supporting her and that it, you know it went beyond just foreign policy so i made a whole video about it um and that was pretty much the only video on my channel for like four months or something and then in uh it would have been in it wasn't let's see I, I i got into social media hardcore in march when the CARES Act and all that was going through, but it was mostly on Facebook and I've got a hundred friends on Facebook. So it was just an echo chamber and no one really cared. <laughs> so I said, all right, I need to get on Twitter where more than a hundred people hear me I need to get on YouTube where I can grow my audience. So I, I think I did my first interview in late April or early May. Um, but I, I was, uh, I was heavy on Twitter. And then I think I did my first interview in May and then I just started from there. And then it, it kind of branched out. I eventually got, I think Elliot Sherman was the first candidate I got to come on. And then I got Vermin Supreme eventually. He was my first like high profile name. And then it just kind of slowly grew from there. And then the last month I've had, a, I've had Dave Smith, uh, Ryan Dawson, Kim Iverson, uh, Scott Horton, uh, Phil Levant. I've had a bunch of like high profile people. So it's finally actually taking off. That's really awesome. Uh, congratulations. That's great. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, so what is your plan for the podcast going forward? And then talk a little bit more about uh, the Unity Coalition and what you guys are planning for that. 
Yeah. So the, <clears throat> the plan for the podcast, um, I, I initially was going to phase away from politics after the election ended and talk about more general issues, but things have just been so nuts. I mean, they haven't calmed down. You know, we've got the National Guard in Washington, D.C., and we had this post-presidency impeachment, and we've got this anti-terrorism bill and, you know, <laughs> libertarians being called domestic enemies. I mean, there's just so much going yeah. on that I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to keep talking politics. So that's what I've been doing. And I probably will keep doing that. Um, I also talk about religion a little bit. I'm an atheist and it's uh, it's an interesting topic to get into because uh, most, uh, it's weird, most atheists are actually leftists or statists, which I find completely ironic because they don't like the idea of the church telling you what to do and how to live or how much money to give it or you know any of that stuff. But then they're totally fine with the state doing it. And statism is just another religion in my mind. It's just an extension. So uh, that's an interesting one to get into with some people. I talk about economics and you know a little bit of history but uh, now that I'm actually getting big names on there I'm just going to keep going down that road and trying to get more interesting people from the liberty movement and from any movement just to talk about issues because um, I think we have more in common with each other than we realize not just libertarians I just mean Americans in general like I had uh, I had Kim Iverson on the other day and she's a progressive advocate but we talked about a lot of stuff that we really agree on that we consider to be uh detrimental issues and I, it was great so i you know and i could have the same conversation with someone who's on the right you know there's a lot of stuff that we would both care about and i, I think that's important you know libertarians kind of live in an echo chamber where they just talk to each other and we really need to talk to people who disagree with us but show them how much we actually agree with them on um, so I'm the, the, the channel, I'm going to be trying to have as many high profile guests as I can, then just keep talking about these ideas and showing where the crossover is. Um, the Liberty coalition is, it's actually becoming a thing. It's still in the, uh, beginning stages. It, it, we might become a caucus someday, but we're, our whole purpose is sort of to not be a caucus because we just want you know, if you're in the pragmatic caucus or the radical caucus or the Mises caucus or whatever, like we just want everyone to work together. Uh, we just came out with a mission statement. I should have brought it up here, but I don't have it with me. But it's basically to um, just to further the message of liberty and uh, show everyone that we're on the same team. Um, and uh yeah, we're, uh, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say because I'm in a kind of inner circle group there. And I know guy, Kevin's part of it too, but we're, uh, we just want the, um, we just want the general message of liberty to be what unites us and even unite people who aren't 100% libertarian. You know, if someone from the left who agrees with us on most things or someone from the right or someone who's an independent just anyone who's an American who cares about liberty that we want them to join us. You know, we tend to, um, we tend to try to excommunicate people who are not a hundred percent in lockstep with our ideology. And I think that's wrong. You know, I mean, we don't want 
we don't, we don't want like AOC to be our nominee or something like that. Like your presidential nominee and your party leader and, you know, important people like that. Like, yeah, they've got to be libertarians, but we shouldn't be pushing Joe Blow on the street away because he's not comfortable with the thought of open borders or pushing, you know, our, uh, someone else away because they're not comfortable with the thought of uh, less regulation in the marketplace or whatever. Like, I mean, when I, when I joined the Liberty movement, you know, I did, I was not in a hundred percent lockstep. I'm still not in a hundred percent lockstep. There's some, there's a couple things I don't agree with the libertarian party as a whole on, but you know, I'm 98% of the way there. But when I joined, I was probably, when I joined the movement, I was probably 70% of the way there. And when you start hanging out with people and talking to people, and hearing these ideas, that's what can bring you full circle to become a true libertarian. So, uh, you know, the, the gatekeeping, it's got to stop. And I'd say that's probably the one of the biggest uh, goals of the Unity Coalition is to end the gatekeeping. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I've talked about quite a bit on this podcast and other interviews. You know, I always say uh, I don't I don't want to be the guy saying bragging about how i was the most libertarian libertarian to ever libertarian while i'm standing in the bread line you know you don't want to be the guy that i remember when mike shipley was running for chair and he was touting this bottom unity which was kind of like the first iteration of this you know and when he left he left the party and there were a bunch of people that were celebrating that and I was just blown away. I, I just couldn't believe that they were so excited that somebody had left the movement because they deemed him not worthy. You know, he's not a libertarian, even though he's 99% libertarian, you know, he doesn't believe in this one thing. And that one thing is the one thing that makes you a libertarian. It's like, well, if that's the one thing, then there's a lot of people that are libertarian. Yeah. But you, no, I, but you wouldn't say that they are. So that gatekeeping and all of that has been a, uh, you know, that's that's been a kind of a big thing with the party for forever. We've been winning online arguments and losing elections for 50 years. Yeah, I mean, so not everyone in the Unity Coalition uh, might agree with this, but I think the Libertarian Party should run on like five issues in 2022. You know, I think that they should really come down hard on five issues that matter to a lot of Americans. I think what Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen really screwed up with is trying to just preach the entire platform as their campaign message. And Spike Cohen has even said this, he said this on my show, that that, that was what went wrong. Like you, you, you're introducing... 20 planks of a of your platform and first of all it gives people who are listening material to pick apart uh even though they might disagree with trump or biden on 80 percent, they'll hear you say something they find completely outrageous so they'll go vote for the other guy when in 2020 they really could have come down on like three issues like end the lockdowns end corporate welfare and, and the wars, you know, like that, that would have been a very easy campaign to run. And then if you're asked about the other things, you give your honest answer. You don't, you know, you, a lot of people don't understand the difference between choosing your battles and compromising. So 
you don't want to compromise. You don't want to tell them like, oh yes, we, you know, we support building the wall or, oh yes, we're for Medicare for all just to win votes. Cause yeah, that would be unprincipled and wrong, but you don't need to run with medi abolishing Medicare being at the top of your campaign during a pandemic. I mean, that's just dumb <laughs> that people are not going to receive that. What you do is you stress the uh, important parts of your message that are going to resonate with people. I mean, that's what the Democrats and Republicans do, and they can suck on literally everything else, and they just run on a couple issues, and they win. Um, and, uh, you know, that's actually why Tulsi was, uh, why she resonated with libertarians, because she didn't push the bad parts of her platform. Like she was big on ending the wars, protecting civil liberties and restoring the power to the people. Like that was kind of her central, you know, if she had been like Bernie Sanders pushing the bad parts, you know, then no, you're not going to resonate with anyone. And I think the libertarians should take a, uh, you know, take a page out of that book and run on issues that Americans care about. Um, and realizing what issues are relevant to the time. And as I said, that doesn't mean being wishy-washy on the other issues. It just means you don't need to elevate every single piece of your platform to the top because messaging matters. Um, and we are salesmen, right? We're trying to sell a product here. So we, not, we need to be smart about how we're selling our product. Um, and I, I honestly think that's our biggest our biggest drawback because we have the best philosophy in history uh, as far as civilizations go, but we're viewed as a joke and it's mostly our fault. I mean, there is the systems rigged against us and the media portrays us in a bad light, but we don't do ourselves any favors. And I, I think we really need to smarten up on that. I think that's yeah. a good point. And I think um, <clears throat> when I briefly ran for chair, uh, in 19 going into 20. Um, a couple of the things that I constantly brought up were the 80-20 approach, um, where you focus on the 20% of the message that drives 80% of the importance and the national branding approach. And you kind of touched on both of them there, um, that if you pick you know, somewhere between three and six planks to focus on, um, you can teach people what a libertarian is because everybody knows that Republicans are low taxes and small government, even if they're not. They all know that Democrats take care of poor people and old people, even though they don't. You know what I mean? They can tell yeah. you what a Republican and a Democrat is, but they can't tell you what a libertarian is. Uh, one of the things that Kevin and I have been pushing really hard um, for 2022 is to get local and state candidates to run on a platform um, the same platform across the country, and that platform is kill the state income tax, uh, state yeah. two A sanctuaries, so statewide two A sanctuaries, and obviously legalize marijuana and other recreational drugs. Um, and I think uh, if you can get a platform like that where everybody across the country is running, suddenly you can have somebody start to answer that question of what is a libertarian oh they don't like taxes um they're strong on gun rights and they believe uh, that you should be able to ingest 
what you want, you know what I mean? Um, or whatever the issues end up being, but we need to, we need to get serious about a national branding campaign. And the only way to do that is to focus in on, like you said, a handful of our planks rather than over 30 of them. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I also say though, like they could vary slightly depending on location. Like if you're running for something in Manhattan, maybe prostitution actually does matter more there than it would, you know, where I live in Utah. I mean, trying to run on legalizing prostitution in Salt Lake City is not going to do you many favors. Whereas if you're doing it in Manhattan, okay, you know, yeah, I get that. That has more relevance. But I agree with you overall on a national stage, we do need to kind of have a unified message. Um, and then maybe just like the super local races, obviously they're going to have different issues that have more importance than others. Yeah, and another thing that we have been pushing, so we have our, the state income tax is a, is a big thing. And then Todd mentioned his run for national chair. I'll mention my run for state chair. My, my thing that I'm running on is showcasing that libertarian ideas actually work to the general public. And one thing that we're talking mm -hmm. about when it comes to abolishing income tax is we're going to take a uh, Andrew Yang approach, like what he did with his UBI, and we're just going to randomly pick some Oklahomans and reimburse them for what they paid in state income tax so that they can have a real, a real viewpoint of, hey, if I didn't pay this, this is the money that I would have. You know, I wouldn't need this stimulus check. I wouldn't need these things if I wasn't taking this out. So I think that that's another thing that we as libertarians need to focus on is not so much winning the online arguments, but showcasing that our ideas work before we try to sell them. Yeah, I, I like that. And I like the idea of uh, stealing ideas from the two parties, because as much as we hate them, they're the successful ones. So, you know, they're doing something right. So <laughs> if they're uh, yeah, if their campaign strategies work, then, yeah, we should uh, we should take note. No, I agree completely. Um, well, Reed, thanks so much for coming on. I love the Unity Coalition. You know, I'm kind of biased. Um, you let me in on that one, so I appreciate it. Um, why don't you plug your podcast, plug your Twitter, plug all your stuff right now? Yeah, so follow me on Twitter. I am at Reed Coverdale. That's R-E-E-D-C-O-V-E-R-D-A-L-E. On, on uh, YouTube, I am the naturalist capitalist and I am the same on Facebook. You can find me uh, there on uh, YouTube and Facebook. I don't do much on Facebook other than just post links to my videos when they're up. That might change, but I'm not a big fan of Facebook. They're, they, <laughs> they don't, uh, you know, as much as Twitter sucks on free speech, it's better than Facebook is right now. So I, I put most of my stuff on Twitter and it can reach a wider audience there. Um, but yeah, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and follow me on uh, Twitter and Facebook. That would be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Reed. This was awesome. We are definitely going to have you back here in the next couple of months as things, uh, as things develop with your, um, with your Unity Coalition. All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate uh, you for having me on. Yep. Thanks, bud.